Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 called Solid and Sounding Forth God's Word. As bad as it's been in the last several months, we, we got it pretty good, don't we, people? As bad as persecution has been for two millennia in the church of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years of some really tough persecution and some really tough persecution for our brethren in other countries right now, we got it pretty good. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't fight. I'm not saying we shouldn't be praying for our culture and fighting the good fight of faith and making sure that we get the gospel out and make our voice known and, and you know, use the society we are in to, to be salt and light. But I am saying we should be thankful. Now, Paul was thankful, verse 3, because he was bearing in mind this church's great work of faith. Three things, if you're taking notes. They had a great work of faith, and faith is always working, right? We're saved by grace through faith, but the book of Hebrews says, by faith, by faith, by faith. We carry out who we are by faith. It's a work of faith, driven by a labor of love. Hopefully, everything we do is a labor of love. You know, it's not always easy, but what we do should be labor springing out of love. And then the third thing is a steadfastness of hope. See how you have faith, love, and hope together there? And notice the action words. It's a work of faith. It's a labor of love. It's a steadfastness of hope. Notice where it's anchored. It's in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. The link between Jesus and the Father, once again, unmistakable. This church was doing the work, but they were doing it in hope. They were doing it in love. Good works complete the testimony of our faith. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, that's what you are. You can apply that to yourself. And you need to know this. Uh, this is 1 Thessalonians 1-4 this morning, maybe afresh. You need to know, brethren, that you are loved by God. You are loved by God. That's your position as a son or a daughter of the king. You need to know, not guess, not wonder. See, God sees you as a son or a daughter now, not an enemy. And some of us have an improper view of our standing before God even this morning. You've come in here and, and your view of God is wrong. You don't see God as your loving father. Somehow that's been skewed for you. And some of you are immediately going, yeah, but God disciplines the ones that he loves. Yeah, but he, he still loves you. <laughs> Try not to be negative about it. Your father loves you so much, he gave your, his son for you. Would you do that? Would you do it for a bunch of rebels who were mocking him as he was dying on the cross? This is God's love. See, you're beloved by God. Agapeo is the Greek word. And he chose you. <laughs> You got to know, beloved by God, his choice of you. He chose you. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me to the disciples. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Now we can get into the whole election thing and predestination thing, but we won't. I'll just quote Spurgeon. And Spurgeon says, I'm glad that God chose me before I was born because if you had chose me after I was born and saw what kind of person I was, he never would have chose me. That, that might hurt your head for a little bit. Here's what I know. He chose me. Here's the big debate. On what basis did God make the choice according to his sovereign will and intention? Did you have a part in, in that? Yeah. Do you remember Acts 17? The gospel was preached and some people didn't receive it and other people followed Paul and Silas and believed. 
Your job is to believe. God's job is to get the gospel to you, namely through the preaching that happens just like this. When I first heard the gospel in the late 80s, this is how it happened. I was sitting in a church, invited by my cousin, and I heard the gospel, and it changed my heart, and it pierced my life. And then I felt that call. See, God chose you. Don't, don't get caught up in all the detail of, well, if he chose, why did he choose? He chose you, all right? And other people, he loves the world. Look, so he, the gospel goes out. Jesus said, whoever would come to me, I will no wise cast them out. This is the good news of the gospel. Our gospel, five, did not come to you in word only, but also in power. That's the Greek word dunamis, dynamite, dynamic. And in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction. When preaching happens with full conviction, it certainly makes a difference. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. The Holy Spirit works through gospel preaching, brothers and sisters. The gospel gets proclaimed in dunamis power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16, for whoever will believe. When the gospel goes out, it already is endued with power. The simple but profound story of a death of the Messiah on the cross and a resurrection from the dead is imbued, filled with, ordained by God's power. Are you ashamed of it? Because in Romans 1.16, Paul says, don't you be ashamed of that gospel. Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Don't you be ashamed to put it out there. Don't you hold back that saving message from people who need to hear it. It's filled with the dynamic power of God. Do you believe that? Mm, I'm not sure. It's pretty quiet. Yes. If I don't get in too much trouble... Now, the gospel was not only proclaimed, end of verse 5, it was lived. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Look, people in our culture, I think especially, they don't want to necessarily hear us talking without seeing our lives showing forth the gospel. Amen? There's a lot of people who are, who are watching, and they're going to see if you earn the right to be heard. You know it's true, don't you? And if they watch some consistency in your life, and I'm not talking about perfection, but they see change in your life. You know, some, some of us have been saved in the last couple of years and your family's kind of going like this. I don't know. Let's wait and see. My family probably had a little bit of that when I first got saved. And it's uh, 30 plus years later. <laughs> I think it's stuck. See, he changes us. Yeah, it's going to be a journey as you grow. And we need mentors. We need people to disciple us. We need humans that we can say, okay, this is how you do it. And this is what the Thessalonians did. <clears throat> and it would appear over a relatively short time when Paul and Silas were around. Look at six. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. And we read from Acts 17, the crisis, having received the word in much tribulation, that's the Greek word thlipsis, trouble, pressure, but they received it how? With the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Thessalonians could look back on perhaps only three weeks of gospel preaching and Paul and Silas being among them and, and could refer back to their example. People are watching. And we imitate people, don't we? 
Little kids imitate mom and dad. I'll call out Shane here because now I have the microphone and he doesn't. Although he'll be back up here. When he was little, this is really cute. I was in uh, sales for a printing company and I was also working. Uh, I was a pastor in a church and I was the drummer on the worship team. Some of you don't know that about Pastor Michael, but I, I was the drummer for a while. I've repented now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I still enjoy the drums, although I don't play them very often. But so Shane was a little boy. I, I don't know, maybe two, three years old. And he would put on a clip-on tie because I wore a tie every day. He would put pots and pans in the living room. He'd take a little briefcase that he had and he would imitate who dad was. I went off to work in a tie. I was a drummer on a worship team and I was also a pastor and he would play the pots and pans and he's still doing it. <laughs> okay, everybody, we're going to end the, open your Bibles to the, honey, I got to go off to work. And, and from the time he was really small, he wanted to go with me everywhere. This is, this is interesting. I would go do a memorial service and he would want to go with me. And I couldn't talk him out of it. He just wanted to be there. And my other boys have been around the things of God as well in different ways. And look, we mimic those who are in some form of authority around us. I remember as a young pastor, I tried to be a bunch of different pastors. <laughs> For a while, I was trying to be Chuck Smith, and then I was trying to be Raul Reese. And every now and then, I would just pause and say, it's heavy, man, it's heavy. And then I would refer to lepers as leopards. Only one of the leopards came back, man. Stuff like that. Never mind. Anyway, and then I was trying to be Walter Martin for a while. And then I had several people tell me, hey, Michael, why don't you be you? Because God called you to be you. However, that doesn't mean I don't mimic some people. Here's what I mean in the best sense of the word. I need other people to show me how to do it. Amen. I need other people to show me. I need other people to show me how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a dad because my dad bailed and it was a bumpy ride in family life. I needed help. And I watched other men in the church show me how to be a godly man and to be a dad. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael Lance on Sunday, September 27th for a discussion about suicide with Stand to Reason's John Noyes. Suicide's a leading cause of death in the United States. It's an issue that's touched us all in one way or another. Whether it's something you wrestle with personally or it's a friend who's struggling, it's at the center of our cultural conversation. Join me as I seek to give you some tools to address suicide in your own life or in the life of someone who's close to you. We're going to do this by answering three questions. Why is this important? Why do people contemplate suicide? And what can we do about it? The 633 event, Thinking Biblically About Suicide, is Sunday, September 27th. For details, call 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And I couldn't talk him out of it. He just wanted to be there. And my other boys have been around the things of God as well, in different ways. And look, we mimic those who are in some form of authority around us. I remember as a young pastor, I tried to be a bunch of different pastors. 
<laughs> for a while, I was trying to be Chuck Smith, and then I was trying to be Raul Reese, and every now and then I would just pause and say, it's heavy, man, it's heavy. And then I would refer to lepers as leopards. Only one of the leopards came back, man. Stuff like that. Never mind. Anyway, and then I was trying to be Walter Martin for a while. And then I had several people tell me, hey, Michael, why don't you be you? Because God called you to be you. However, that doesn't mean I don't mimic some people. Here's what I mean in the best sense of the word. I need other people to show me how to do it. Amen? I need other people to show me. I need other people to show me how to be a dad. I didn't know how to be a dad because my dad bailed and it was a bumpy ride in family life. I needed help. And I watched other men in the church show me how to be a godly man and to be a dad. And then those of you who are athletes, how many of you growing up, you had the same batting stance as your hero, right? You wore the same number as your favorite player. We tend to mimic people and we course, we want to mimic people who deserve being mimicked, right? But in spiritual things, this is what you need. That's why don't be a solo Christian. Don't be divorced from fellowship with other believers who can impact you. This is why the church needs to gather corporately. And I know some of you are not gathered here. I'm looking at the camera right now for a reason. Because there's, there's legitimate reasons to stay away. We understand that. But when all this is behind us, Lord willing, Let's get back, man. We need each other, don't we? Verse 7. You became, you mimicked us, then you became an example. This is how it works. One generation to the next, it works spiritually as well. One, you know, group up and coming. <clears throat> Those of you who are up and coming, a little younger, we ain't going to be here forever should the Lord tarry. We're going to get a season and we're going to hand the baton to you guys. Would to God that you would handle it well. You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Notice this. This church was solid. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth. That's the idea of the blowing of a trumpet, a shofar. And I am so thrilled that we, uh, right now, we support some 10 missionaries that go out from Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We support evangelism. We are in schools, of course, before the shutdown. For a while, we were in elementary schools, junior highs, and high schools. We have people go door to door. We have people in the malls. We have people at the crossings. We, are, we have a radio presence. The Lord has allowed us to sound forth his word. Amen? That excites me as a pastor to see it going out. We get letters from people. We have, uh, just in our radio ministry, our podcasting alone, we have thousands and thousands of listens to our messages that are going out. Thousands of people who are listening to our radio ministry. During the early days of the pandemic, we had over a thousand views of our Sunday sermons, people hungry, looking for answers. The word has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Ikea, but also in every place your faith toward God, notice, has gone forth. The, the word goes out from you and your faith in God goes out so that we don't even have to say anything, says Paul. We're just like basking in the echo as it radiates down uh, the position of this city was crucial as well. Because Thessalonica was a hub of travel and trade, people coming through Macedonia from east and west along the Ignatian Highway, kind of the main Roman road, heard the word of the Lord from true believers, as did those who visited the city by ship because it was a harbor town and used its port facilities. As people came in and the Thessalonians went out 
their proclamation echoed louder and louder, wider and wider from this strategic location. And so out they went preaching and then people would leave the town and reach others. And it even came to Paul's ears and he said, they themselves, NIV, verse 9, report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now we're almost done, but let me just say to you by way of introduction that the city of Thessalonica was steeped in idol worship. Archaeological discoveries and things that they found in the city show that all the typical false gods were there, including early forms of emperor worship. And when these people heard the gospel, they turned from idols, false gods, to the living and true God. They heard that there's a true God who loves them, who doesn't need to be appeased by human action, who's not part of a pantheon of deities that are just a little bit higher or better than us. No, 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 no. The God of heaven loves us and sent his son. And so our job is to wait. That word wait, final verse in, in uh, 110, has the idea of confident expectancy. The idea of waiting does not infer passivity. One writer says, in the Greek language, the word is used to describe what a mother does when she is anticipating the coming of her baby. Because she has great hope, she readies the nursery and eagerly prepares for the child's arrival. This is sustained, patient, trusted, trusting waiting, active waiting, confident expectancy. It puts emphasis here on hope. The verb puts emphasis on the greatness of the peril and on the power of him who delivers us. The completeness of the deliverance, says Morris, is underlined by the use of the preposition ek. He, Jesus, delivers us right out of the wrath to come. Look at the final verse once again. To wait for his son, Jesus, from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That's a proof that Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus, what does he do? Final part. He delivers us. He rescues us from the wrath to come. It's what people don't want to hear about. But it's coming. The day of the Lord will come, chapter 5 says, like a thief in the night. And most scholars would say the wrath to come is not just the day of the Lord when Jesus returns and he pours out the wrath of God, rescues his people, and then pours out his wrath. It's not just that. The wrath to come is hell. It is separation from God. It is ultimate judgment. And I have to say that since the last verse of chapter 1 says it, let us say it clearly. Jesus rescues from wrath. Do you believe that? The cross is a picture of the wrath of God. Think with me. Jesus is dying. There is an eclipse of the sun on a spring day when it shouldn't have happened. At noontime, it goes dark. The earthquakes, a sign of judgment. Darkness happens, a sign of judgment. And Jesus from the cross says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And scholars say, you have a picture of the son taking the wrath of the father. Why would he do that. He was completely innocent. Why is he taking the judgment of God, drinking the cup? Because he's doing it in your stead. So you don't have to take the wrath. God's wrath is appeased in Jesus, paid in full. That's why you're not going to experience wrath. If you are in Christ, wrath doesn't belong to you. It's been satisfied at the cross. Amen? Jesus rescues from wrath. Now, I know the modern 
Ears don't want to hear that. We talk about wrath, hellfire, brimstone. I just read you the Bible. Let's take a positive spin on it. Jesus rescues from wrath. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Because you don't want to experience that wrath. You read through Revelation? See some of those things going on like bloody seas and things that sting you and boils and it ain't pretty. Jesus rescues from wrath and from the ultimate wrath, which is hell itself. Final paragraph. Many years ago, a man named Felix of Nola was escaping his enemies. He took temporary refuge in a rugged cave on a hillside. He had scarcely entered the opening of the cave before a spider began to weave its web across the small opening. With remarkable speed, the spider completely sealed off the mouth of the cave with its rather obvious web, giving the appearance that the cave had not been entered in for many weeks. As Felix's pursuers passed by, they saw the web and they didn't even bother to look into the cave. Later, the godly fugitive stepped out into the sunlight and he uttered these insightful words. Where God is, a spider's web is a wall. Where he is not, a wall is but a spider's web. You've been listening to Solid and Sounding Forth God's Word, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 1. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program or part one or two, you can listen on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's given a $5 donation to Walk in Truth. You know, it's our mission to equip you with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're hoping that we're giving you the tools to easily explain the Christian faith to your friends, your family, your coworkers and to see how scripture applies to today's issues, trends, and cultures. Your $5 donations have helped us broadcast on the station you're listening to now and the podcast app you're using too. So to be honest, we're broadcasting on less stations these days, but we hope to change that. We need more monthly partners to help us grow and move forward in our mission. So can you become a $10 a month partner? We're looking to the future and knowing you'll be there with us when the time comes to grow is reassuring. Please become a $10 a month partner today. Visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You know, some of the metaphors in the Bible, like be strong and courageous, capture this idea. See, you can become strong. The, The people who become strong go through something called pressure. See, working out to use the physical um, illustration, is to put your muscles under pressure. Literally, they say that you tear muscles and then they heal and grow larger. And that's kind of the Christian life, right? We go through pressure, struggle. God stretches us. No pain, no gain, as they say, right? And we get stronger. And that's the beauty of growing in the Christian life. And you can become stronger. That's the bottom line. Let's be solid and sounding forth God's word. Now, speaking of sounding forth God's word, we have to sound forth something on the topic of suicide because it's such an epidemic in our world and so many hurting people and so many precious people that find themselves in a desperate situation. And we want to bring light to the subject. And we, we want to bring biblical clarity and hope 
And uh, we're going to do something on September 27th called 633. We hold these at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. We do Sunday evening special events, and we do worship. We have a special speaker, this time John Noyes from Stand to Reason. We have a Q&A time. You can ask questions anonymously. The event is free. And uh, it's just a great time to come on out and grow more in your faith and see what God will do. Body of Christ, can I ask you to be praying over this one? Uh, We want to ask the Lord to move in a powerful way. And I would ask you to make plans to be part of it. If you can be here, be here on that night. 1009 Arsenal Way, the city of Corona, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. Now you can get information and directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store or go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, if you cannot make this Sunday night event, you can't, uh, it's too far for you or whatever, this is going to be live stream. So you can also participate via live stream and even ask a question on the app and still be part of it. So mark your calendar, September 27th, dealing with the topic of suicide at Living Truth, 6.33 in the evening. All the info at walkintruth.com. Well, we're going to transition to a next message in the book of Thessalonians called To God Be the Glory. And we'll deal with that next time, Lord willing. We'll see you right here. Now, come back tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-12, through 12, called To God Be the Glory. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.